with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Once, when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others. One of the ancient prophets has arisen. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said in reply, The Christ of God. And he rebuked them and directed them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. It is not uncommon for us to experience a great joy in our lives only to discover that it brings with it a mixture of pain. It may be that something begins in such a way as to bring us great happiness. And as time goes on, it becomes more sacrificial. There are things we at first welcome, and we end up enduring them because they are there. In some things, there's always a mixture of joy and pain. For instance, many or most of you here are married and have families. When you first fell in love and were married, it was a certain ecstasy that went with it quite naturally. And then, of course, you realize, as everyone does, that there's going to be a great deal of sacrifice in that relationship and in that unit we call a family. The cross is there. Wherever we go, the cross is there. However perfect we think the environment is going to be, 
the cross will be there. And we try to find ways to get around that. Sometimes we should. Some crosses are only temporary, such as illness, hopefully. We want to be healed so that we can go on with the business of life. Some things aren't. Some things simply are there. Things we didn't choose. Or sometimes we do. The saints were always looking for a new cross. Today is the 19th of, July, of June, the feast of St. Romuald, if it weren't Sunday. Read his life someday. He wanted to be a hermit. He was, but what he, what he had to sacrifice was incredible. That reality is in today's gospel. This is the St. Luke's version, the Lucan version of the question. Who do the crowd say that I am? He wants to know from them. He wants to know what they think the crowds are saying. Here again, notice this. Who do the crowds say that I am? What does the public think? What's the prevailing idea? What does the mob believe that I am? If they were to vote, they say, John the Baptist. That's not bad, come back from the dead. Elijah returned? That's not bad either. One of the ancient prophets has arisen. All right? That's what the mob says, the democracy. And what about you? What do you, who do you say that I am? What does the little elect group think? And only one answers, St. Peter, the Christ of God. He answers. The answer is correct, although none of them understand what that means. They're very happy about this relationship. Wouldn't you be? We should be. We have one too. Because they've envisioned it in, in a very different sort of way. They're going to be attached to the Messiah, the great conqueror, the one who will change everything, the one who will rule the world, or at least Israel. And they are his closest friends. They have reason to be joyful. They've seen things. They've witnessed what he can do. They've heard him speak. They've been with him. They are the intimates, especially the twelve. Notice that again. <clears throat> that whenever Judas's name is mentioned, they always make sure to point out that he's one of the twelve to indicate the intimacy that was supposed to be there. And then Judas Iscariot one of the twelve. These intimates who are supposed to know, now they're going to be the people who are really part of this new kingdom that they expect to come. And what does our Lord do? He rebukes them and tells them not to tell this to anyone because they don't understand what it means. They don't understand why he's come. You and I experience this, as I said, in our lives. We think something's going to be one way, as the apostles did, only to find out that they aren't called to that at all. They're called to something they didn't want necessarily and would reject in some cases. And then he begins to tell them what must happen to him. He begins to tell them what it means to be the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. It means he must complete the work that he's come to do. The work is not what they think it is. The son of man must suffer greatly. You know, there's never been a great musician who didn't suffer. Um, I remember once when I was a young man listening to a, a, the conductor of an orchestra say, 
think of it, is that a musician who doesn't suffer is going to be a pretty trivial musician, composer, composer. And then again, there are those who suffer so much that their music suffers too. Now think of it. Handel, Bach, Mozart, Beethoven, you read their lives, they suffered. They suffered, but it seems the right amount because they wrote great music. There are other composers who really suffered and had good days and bad days. But suffering is part of that journey. In the case of the Messiah, it's essential. That's why he's come. I know I've said this so many times, you're tired of hearing it. You and I came into the world to live. He came into the world to die and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. That's why he's come. They don't understand this at all. This is confusing. It isn't what they'd hoped for. It isn't what they expected. And it isn't that way in our lives, is it? We can say to God, I didn't expect this. I didn't know. If I'd known, I might have done something else. But God will always say, that's not your question to ask. What would have happened if? Your job is to follow me as you are. We do that sometimes. I remember one day, this was several years ago, you know those days when everything starts to go wrong and keeps on going that direction? Uh, everybody who laughed knows exactly what that's like. And it was one of those days when everything seemed to go wrong, and I came out of Mass, and somebody had something they were really irritated about, um, about the way I'd celebrated Mass. And I thought, uh-huh. So I, I went out and I looked up to heaven and I said, what is this? with today, everything going wrong. Uh, it's one of those days when God draws us closer to himself. But we don't see it that way often, and they don't see it that way at all, the apostles. And then he tells them what they must do. You and I don't have to live in a world where we see people carrying crosses to their own crucifixion on a regular basis. If we did, the cross would have a great deal more meaning to us, wouldn't it? If we had to go outside and watch somebody carry a cross down New Bern Avenue to, to the Capitol and be crucified, we'd have a very different idea of what it means when our Lord says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That meant something to the people of Israel and to the Roman world, but it meant to take up your cross daily and follow me. This is more more than just minor sacrifice. This is a radical change of life and radical self-denial and radical abandonment. We keep coming back to that too, don't we? Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You know, um, St. Francis de Sales had a little reflection entitled, Your Cross. I ran across it the other day. Isn't it funny? Did you ever, were you ever going through a book and you came across a holy card that you hadn't seen in a long time that all of a sudden struck you? You and I, of course, think, wasn't this a wonderful accident? As though God from all eternity didn't know that card was going to be there at that moment. Uh, It's there for a reason. And it was entitled Your Cross. And um, I can remember the general gist of it. He was saying, the everlasting God has, in his wisdom, foreseen from eternity this cross that he now presents to you as a gift from his inmost heart as a gift. He gives it to us as a gift from his heart. 
this cross. Think of whatever your cross is, or crosses. Most of us have more than one. Um, we may have one prominent one, but more than one. Temptations are a cross. We all understand temptation. That's a cross, too. Uh, some crosses God gives us directly, some he permits and allows. Then he said, this cross that he now sends you, he has considered with his all-knowing eyes, understood with his divine will, tested with his wise justice, warmed with his loving arms, and weighed in his own hands to see that it is not one inch too large and not one ounce too heavy for you. And so it is. These things are given to us for that reason, if we are willing to accept them. The world will say, no, 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 you don't need that. Uh, reject it. But it can't be that way. I mentioned once a poem that was a favorite of Bishop Sheen's. I don't mind repeating it. It's been a while. Uh, hopefully you've forgotten it. Or then again, maybe not. But uh, I don't think he wrote it, but it was one he liked to quote often. Uh, and you may remember it. He said, I slipped his fingers I escaped his feet. I ran and hid from him I feared to meet. One day I passed him fettered to a tree. He turned his head, looked, and beckoned me. Neither by speed nor strength could he prevail. Each hand and foot was pinioned with a nail. He could not run and grasp me if he tried. But with his eye, he bade me reach his side. For pity's sake, I thought, I'll set you free. Nay, hold this cross, he said, and follow me. This yoke is easy, this burden light, not hard or grievous if you wear it tight. And so I followed him who could not move, an uncaught captive in the hands of love. I think the best line of that is the last one. So did I follow him who could not move, an uncaught captive in the hands of love. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the cross of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For all fathers on this Father's Day, that they will be ever more perfect images uh, of the fatherhood of God, ever more perfect images of his perfection to their wives and families. We pray to the Lord. For the church throughout the world, the people will find in her the love of God. For the church suffering, especially in the Middle East, for the freedom of the church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own nation, our nation may come to know the love of God, to know the church. For all those running for public office, they will be people of virtue and wisdom. For peace, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, for those who are dying, for those who bear the cross of Christ in any way, for those who suffer from spiritual or mental illness, 
for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost the faith. We pray to the Lord. Lord for a greater respect for human life, especially in the womb and at the end, we pray to the Lord. Lord for an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will love the cross in a unique way and proclaim it, for a greater reverence for the sacrament of marriage and the institution, and for a greater reverence for the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord for our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that they will carry their cross well and embrace it, particularly the cross of proclaiming the truth in a darkened age, we pray to the Lord. For all of our parishioners on pilgrimage this weekend to Virginia, uh, that they will, be, they will grow spiritually, become closer to the Lord, and will travel safely, we pray to the Lord. Lord For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially those who died again in Orlando, for our relatives, friends, and benefactors, all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that we will embrace the cross as it comes to us, the cross that unites us more perfectly to the Lord, particularly as it draws us to the Eucharist, where that cross becomes present, we pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers for those of the sorrowful mother, as we say. (laughs) 